0: This is Difference Makers. Welcome. My name is Mike Lee, Director of Local Ministries for True Talk 893.9 93.9 KPDQ, 104.1 The Fish, 93.1 El Rey, La Patrona 1640, and our sister station, AM 860 to The Answer, K-Pam, where you can hear today's guest. He is the host of The Flatline Heard every Sunday morning at 7.30 on AM 860 to The Answer. Welcome, Rick Hughes. How are you today, sir? Well thank you Mike it's wonderful to be with you today appreciate you having me It's a pleasure to have you on board The Flatline is hosted by Rick Hughes it's 30 minutes of inspiration motivation education but never any manipulation and Rick teaches principles from the Bible focusing on God's 10 unique problem solving devices designed to act as a main line of resistance a flatline preventing the outside sources of adversity from becoming the inside pressure of stress in your soul the intent is to give you information to help you identify the plan of God for your life. So can you give us the big picture for people who might be new to your program, The FLOT Line, heard on AM 860, The Answer, KPM Sunday mornings at 730? What exactly is The FLOT Line? And FLOT, F-L-O-T, is an acronym. What does that all mean?
1: <laughs> well, The FLOT Line is a radio show we've been doing for 15-plus years across America. And FLOT is indeed an acronym for the Forward Line of Troops. It's a military acronym. And what we're teaching is there are 10 unique problem-solving devices taught in the Bible. And this is nothing I discovered. It's something my pastor taught me years ago. But if you'll learn these 10 problem-solving devices and use them, then they will stop the outside source of adversity from ever becoming the inside source of stress.
0: That's why we say Adversity is inevitable, and stress is optional. Adversity is inevitable, but stress is optional. So how do you emphasize that in today's world where there is so much angst and anxiety going on? Well, the Christian life
1: is the most wonderful life in the world because you don't have to worry. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be bitter. You don't have to be anxious. Once you learn how to live the Christian life with the mind of Christ, as Paul taught us in Philippians 2, 5, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus, then you can live a life free of stress and worry and things like that.
0: Well, that's wonderful, Rick. So tell us about your background. Where did you grow up in the first place? Well, a long way from Portland, that's for sure. Uh, I'm kind of a mind traveler. I've been to Portland
1: in my mind many times and read things about it, looked at it. But I grew up in the state of Alabama in a single-parent home. My mom, uh, unfortunately, I guess she got pregnant with me outside of wedlock, and and so I never met my father. I don't know who he was. We grew up in a federal housing project, and the only thing that really rescued me was I was big, strong, and very good-looking, <laughs> and uh, I was able to play football. And Through football in high school, I was able to get a collegiate scholarship to the University of Alabama and was able to be there for a while with Coach Paul Bear Bryant and great quarterback Joe Namath, Broadway Joe. You remember him.
0: Oh, this New York boy absolutely remembers Broadway Joe Namath and his fur coats and the guarantee that he would make that Super Bowl win, which indeed he led. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, I didn't stay there. That was my
1: problem. Like a lot of people, maybe some of our listeners can identify with this, I went down the My Way Highway, and that means that I was not a Christian. I had never heard really the gospel. I didn't know anything about being born again or being a Christian. And I was in a frantic search for happiness looking in all the wrong places and all of that boomeranged in my life. Eventually till at the age of 22, I was pretty frustrated with things. And that's when I guess God stepped in and gave me the answers. And that was a day to the young lady that took me to church and I did not get much out of church. Like a lot of people, church was not for me. But after church, I went to a home Bible study, and there I met a man from South Africa named Winston, and Winston told me God's plan and shared with me how I could be a new person in Christ if I wanted to be, and I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you could start your life all over again today. The Bible says if any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away, and all things become new. He asked me would I be willing to do that, and I said, absolutely, yeah, and I prayed, and I asked God to save me, and I didn't feel weird. I didn't hear any harps or angels singing, but it actually happened. And I went back to my apartment, told my roommate I'd gotten saved, and he got freaked out. He said, are you drunk again? I said, no, I've accepted Christ as my Savior. And uh, he lasted about a week before he moved out. But that's when my life totally and completely changed.
0: That's fantastic, Rick. So here you are, Growing up fatherless, winning a football scholarship to play under some guy named Bear Bryant alongside Joe Namath, that's just wild. But it wasn't at a church service, but it was at this Bible study. Was it more of a back and forth conversation that you had? Yeah, it was uh,
1: kind of younger kids than me. I was 22 at the time, and most of them were teenagers. And uh, they were read read different verses. And, And the thing I remember most, Mike, was They stood up and all talked about if they died, they knew they'd go to heaven. They knew they'd go to heaven. They knew they'd go to heaven. heaven. And I'm thinking, if I die, I'm not going to heaven. I knew that plainly in my mind and because I was so guilty and ashamed of everything I'd done. But I didn't know how to get rid of that. I did not
0: know how to have peace with God. Until you went to this Bible study after this church service that you didn't want to go to. That's fantastic. So, was this over a long stretch of time, or was it fairly early on in your going to this Bible study where you discovered Jesus? It happened immediately. I mean, we went to church that night,
1: and actually, the, 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 even the idea that I had a date with this young lady was amazing, because I had run into her. She had been a cheerleader at my high school, and I never dated her, but I was going steady with two other girls at the time. And, uh, that didn't work out too well. one had my leather jacket and one had my leather sweater and they both burned them when they found out I was going with somebody else. So I ran into this girl and asked her for a date. Her name was Jane and it was on a Saturday night and she declined. But on Sunday I had intended to go to the river and water ski and drink some beer and lay out on the sandbar, but we sunk our boat and we were forced to come home early. And so that's when I called Jane back up and tried the second time to get a date with her. And she agreed if I would go to church, and I figured, okay, I'll take church, and afterwards we'll go parking or something, but that didn't work out. She wanted to go to this Bible study, and unknowingly to me, my life was about to change that night.
0: That's so funny, Rick Hughes. Not that I'm necessarily an advocate of what people call missionary dating, but in this case, she drew that line in the sand, and you went to church with her. (laughs) That's fantastic. And it's not like you had a letterman sweater or jacket left to give her. So what stood out about this church service that you went to? Well, nothing stood out about the church service at all.
1: I mean, there was a fine preacher and did a good job and he gave an invitation and asked people to come forward. And uh, she looked at me and she said, you want to go forward and talk with the preacher? And I said, Nope, I'm leaving. So I went outside and she went down front and prayed at the altar for the preacher I guess prayed for me. And I was in my car outside waiting on her when a young man came up to me who was indeed an Alabama football player. And he told me he was disappointed that I had left school and wasn't still there. And uh, he told me he had met someone that he'd like for me to get to know because that person had changed his life. And uh, I bit, I said, who are you talking about? Thinking it might've been a coach or another player. And he looked at me and he said, it's Jesus Christ, the son of God, and you need him.
0: Wow, so the change in your life was so drastic that your roommate, first of all, thought you were drunk, and once he realized that you weren't, and that you indeed had given your life to Jesus, he left you. So immediately, the impact was evident in your life, Rick Hughes. How did your family receive this change in your life? Well, uh,
1: (laughs) I didn't have a whole lot of a family to talk to it about. Some of my best friends were amazed. I remember one in particular. Named Mike. Mike recently went to be with the Lord, but he came to my apartment about a week after this has happened at two o'clock in the morning. He had tears in his eyes, and I said, "What's wrong?" And he said, "Something's happened to you," and I don't know what it is, but I need it too. And he came in, and we talked, and we got on our knees and prayed, and he accepted Christ, and uh, and that was the beginning of the change in his life. So, my mother had remarried when I was nineteen, and uh, my stepfather was indeed a Christian. I, to tell you the honest truth, I do not know if my mother was ever saved. I don't I have a clue. But uh, when I would talk to her about it, she'd always say, don't worry about me. I'm okay. And I could never get an answer one way or the other, sadly. Interesting. So
0: how did your stepdad take your conversion?
1: Well, he was fine with it. He uh, he was an Alabama graduate himself and uh, a well-to-do individual. So I was happy for my mom because we got out of our, our situation where we didn't have much money. We didn't even have a car. And when she married him, he provided a home and an automobile, and he bought me my first car, paid $100 for a nice little Chevrolet car that I could drive to school.
0: There's something special about a first car. So what make and model year gear was this Chevrolet you got from your stepdad, Rick? Well, that was when I was in high school, before I ever accepted Christ.
1: But he bought me a 1951 Chevrolet, uh, I don't know what you call it, but it, i tell you this, it burned more oil than it did gas. It looked like a mosquito fogger going down the road. <laughs>
0: I love those good old big block Chevys that they don't make anymore. It was certainly a different era. So am I correct in thinking that Alabama football is a culture in and of itself? I remember moving from the East Coast to the Pacific Northwest. I really had to learn the culture that college football was borderline religion. So is it the same in Alabama, if not even more so?
1: Oh yes, definitely. In Alabama, you're either an Alabama fan or an all barn fan. That's a W B a R N all barn fan. And, uh, they hate each other and it's a tremendous amount of competition, but when things go bad, like the tremendous tornado that came through Tuscaloosa many years ago and almost destroyed the university, took out so many lives, killed several people, the Auburn players came to help and help rebuild the town and, uh, and so, but on the football field, everybody wants to knock everybody's head off.
0: How funny, it's a great parallel to the University of Oregon versus Oregon State University out here. And if there's ever an upset, someone's got bragging rights for the next calendar year. Or so good stuff, Rick Hughes. So tell us what happened after you came to know the Lord. What did you change when it came to decisions in your life? Because at this point you had dropped out of University of Alabama, right?
1: Correct and I, uh, I made a decision to go back to school. I talked with the coaches and they told me I had scholarship availability still left, but I did not go back to Alabama. Instead, I was given a scholarship and enrolled in Southeastern Bible College in Birmingham, and uh, I almost got kicked out of that for hitting the dorm director. And I didn't, I didn't need to do that. I got mad one night, and you know, any time in the past when I got mad, you saw that you hit somebody. And this, I was 22 and he was like 18, and he came in my room and told me to turn my lights out at 930 at night. And I'm like, get out of here, dude, leave me alone. And one thing led to another. So I decked him and the dean of students
0: called me and said, we're glad you're saved, but you can't hit people, son. You got to quit that. A six-three, all-American football player, I'm sure probably packed a pretty good punch back then.
1: Yeah, the, uh, you know, the Bible college was full of preachers, children and missionaries, children, and I was out of place. And to tell you the truth, uh, I learned about the Bible, but nobody ever taught me the mechanics to the Christian life. I, I learned where Matthew was and where Zechariah was and how to find Isaiah and Psalms and Proverbs, but nobody said, these are the mechanics. And when I played football, you know, they gave you a playbook and you knew what you're supposed to do. You knew you're playing strong side tackle. And and uh, if the quarterback called a 22 power trap, this is who you blocked. But in the Christian life, everybody just kept saying, yield it to God, brother, turn it over to God, brother, let the Lord have it, brother. And that didn't make sense to me because there was no mechanics involved in that. I wanted mechanics. How does this work? And that's where eventually I was able to find a pastor teacher in Houston, Texas, that taught me the mechanics of the Christian
0: life. I think that's really important for us to know because it's so easy for us in the modern church, Rick, to just throw church speak and lingo at each other. Oh, just pray harder or believe more or spend time in your Bible. None of which are necessarily bad things. But when it talks to you, not growing up a pastor's kid, wanting to know the actual mechanics and methods and steps to take, it seems like this gentleman from Houston, Texas was able to show that to you, which in turn, you're able to share with thousands and thousands of people across the country so let's talk about that more in depth in our next segment born in birmingham alabama rick hughes never knew his father he was raised in a federal housing project by his mother and because of difficulties associated with single parenthood rick was placed with several guardians lacking self-discipline and authority orientation he was a low academic achiever in school in his senior year at Woodlawn High School, Rick set state records in track and field, was chosen as a high school All-American in football because of his size. Six-foot-three, 250-pound Rick was quite good at football, and he was offered a scholarship to play at an out-of-state university. Unfortunately, his SAT scores were so low that the scholarship offer was withdrawn. Rick's failure was a low point in his life. His high school football coach threw Rick out of his office, and Rick was crushed. Later on, Coach reconsidered and talked to Rick, challenging him to take responsibility for his bad decisions and begin to make the right decisions instead. The coach then spoke to Rick's teachers, who agreed to give Rick extra tutoring so he might improve his test scores. The University of Alabama learned of Rick's dilemma and offered him a scholarship if he could pass the ACT exam. His scores on the ACT were high enough for Alabama to accept him, and Rick signed a football scholarship playing with the 1964 national championship team as a freshman under the coaching of Bear Bryant and alongside a quarterback named Joe Willie Namath. Rick took a summer job in 1965 with a trucking firm as a driver, earning more money than he had ever seen in his life, which led him to drop out of school. This bad decision resulted in three years of frustration, anger, worry and loneliness arrogance filled rick with self-pity and bitterness and he felt that the people would use him and then lose him no matter where he went nothing in his life meant anything and he continually blamed others for his own mistakes and problems the turning point came when he believed in jesus christ and became a christian and that one decision transformed rick's life we're speaking with Rick Hughes. He is the leader of Rick Hughes Ministries. He's also the host of a radio program called The Flot Line, which is heard Sunday mornings at 730 on our sister station, AM 860, The Answer, KPAM. You can find more information at Rick's website, rickhughesministries.org. That's rickhughesministries.org, which I'll link up to the Difference Makers page at truetalk800.com. More with Rick Hughes next on Difference Makers. Welcome back to Difference Makers. Mike Lee here with Rick Hughes of Rick Hughes Ministries. He's the host of a Sunday morning program called The Flot Line, which airs at 730 on our sister station, AM 860, The Answer, KPAM. And Rick was telling us about his discovering Christ after he had attended the University of Alabama, and then he switched to a different college. So tell us about that, the pros and cons of your second school, Rick, and what you needed to learn and then pass on about teaching mechanics about Christianity. Thank you, Mike. I'll do my best here. And when
1: I enrolled in the Bible College, Southeastern Bible College in Birmingham, one thing I did not quite understand was that I still had a sinful nature. Uh, people don't didn't tell me that. They told me I'd gotten saved, but they didn't tell me I still had the... Sin nature was still in me. And of course, the Bible teaches that by one man sin into in the world and death by sin and death is passed on all. For all have sinned, comes short of the glory of God. So even though I was a Christian, even though I was going to heaven, I still had a sin nature. And I found that in, in a lot of different ways. Well, my temper was one of it and girls was the other one. And, uh, and so I had to learn what's going on. Why do I still feel these same desires? I thought I was saved and I thought that stuff would go away. And uh, eventually, as I began to work in the ministry, I got under the authority of a great pastor in Houston, Texas, teaching me the Bible. And he taught me the secret to sin is to rebound your sin or confess your sin when you know you've committed it. And that's First John 1, 9. It says, if we confess our sin, God's faithful and just to forgive us and purify us from all of our wrongdoing. And so I would find myself confessing sin about 50 times a day. But that was the key to staying filled with the Holy Spirit. I didn't understand what that meant because I heard about the Holy Spirit and I thought maybe I was supposed to do something or it was supposed to be manifest in a certain way. I didn't realize that I was indwelled by the Holy Spirit when I got saved, that I was sealed by the Holy Spirit, and that I was filled with the Holy Spirit. But when I was sinned, that I would quench the Holy Spirit and grieve the Holy Spirit. Once I learned that, once I understood how to deal with my sin, then I could start growing as a Christian and start learning and applying the word of God on a consistent basis in my life. And I did that uh, as I traveled. What happened to me was very interesting. I was speaking in a school in a public school in Mississippi. This was 1970. So you figure out how many years ago that was. And uh, three, three individuals heard me and they said, we would like for you to go to every public school, private school, across the entire state of Mississippi and tell this story and we did they were able to line that up and set it up for me and I spoke in 430 high schools in two years across the state of Mississippi then we began to go into the state of Georgia and do the same thing in Georgia every night after speaking all day I would come back and get into my camper trailer that I had and I would study under my pastor, get my Bible out and listen to him, teach me the Bible, teach me the Bible, teach me the Bible, learning the mechanics so that and I began to understand actually how the Christian life works. And that's always been my challenge in my ministry is to teach that to other people. A lot of times I'd ask people, how do you become a good Christian? And they'd say, well, brother, you got to read your Bible, brother, and pray, brother, and witness, brother, and I would say, okay, these are things that a good Christian does, but how do you become a good Christian? And basically one out of a hundred would say, well, you got to let the Holy Spirit control your life. That's an unknown understanding in the Christian life today is how do we allow the Holy Spirit to control our life on a day-by-day basis so that we can grow in grace? And that's what I learned. And then, then once I began to understand that, once I began to sit consistently under my pastor and study every night, I began to accumulate wisdom, biblical wisdom. And that basically all that is, Mike, is that gives you insight and discernment so that you have understanding about what's going on around you. You know what I'm talking about.
0: It's interesting, Rick, that you brought up the point that you were brought to the Lord. You had your salvation experience, but you weren't really given the nuts and bolts, the methodology, the resources to grow to be what you called a good Christian or a more effective one or one closer to God. So with all of the experience you have, especially speaking in high schools over the years, do you believe that today's church does a sufficient job of discipling, or is it at times concentrating too much on just bringing people to the Lord in the first place, and nothing beyond that?
1: Well, I think a lot of different churches do a lot of different things, but what concerns me is that a lot of pastors have become performers today. And they're not preachers. They're not teaching the mechanics of the Christian life. And if you think about this, if you put your child in the first grade and that child goes for an hour and a half a week, they're never going to get out of the first grade. Well, if you go to church for 30 minutes on Sunday morning, you get a sermon, 30 minutes on Sunday night, you get a sermon, maybe 30 minutes on Wednesday night, that's an hour and a half a week. You're never going to grow to be a spiritually mature Christian on an hour and a half a week. Well, somebody say, well, you need to buy this book and go home and read this book. Of course, everybody's wanting to make money off the Lord Jesus Christ and sell something. And so you buy the book, and you go home and you're supposed to study and supposed to read a daily devotion, for 10 minutes in the morning. And that's going to make you a mature Christian. No, it doesn't. Until you do what the Bible says, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, right? in dividing the word of truth. That's a mandate. That's not a request. Study to show yourself approved is a verb we call the imperative mood. It's a command. And then Peter said, grow in the grace and the knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's a command. That's not a request. And Jesus said, take my yoke and learn of me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. That's a command. So you have to grow. You have to study. You have to learn. And what you're doing is you're getting out of that mindset of human viewpoint and moving into divine viewpoint. This is where Romans says in Romans twelve three, stop thinking of yourself in terms of arrogance beyond what you should think, but think in terms of humility as God has assigned to each one of us a standard of thinking from his word. That's where the Bible go back up to Philippians 2, 5. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Learning to think divine viewpoint, learning to think like he thought. That's what the Christian life is, Mike. You live it in your head. You live it in your mind. That's where it is. Your spiritual life is in your head, and when you die, your soul goes with you to heaven. That's an interesting thing. Your body may get old and decrepit, but your soul never ages, and you're going to get a new body in heaven. You're going to take your thoughts with you to heaven, and you'll have your human spirit in heaven, and you'll be there in a resurrection body, but you have to learn how to think, and that's the key thing to the Christian life so that you're not deceptively deceived by the devil who's very good at distracting and discouraging people.
0: Great points from the host of The Flatline on our sister station, AM 860, The Answer, K-PAM, every Sunday morning at 730. You can find out more information at Rick's website, rickhughesministries.org. That's rickhughesministries.org. Rick, am I correct in thinking that you really enjoy speaking in front of students, especially high school-aged ones?
1: Uh, Yeah, I enjoy doing that, and I still do that. Uh, I just left Now, we got to understand, today we cannot get in public schools anymore. I mean, it's against the law to go in there and talk about God, unfortunately. But there are a tremendous amount of private schools across the southeast, and these are not Christian academies. These are just regular academies. And I'm able to get into these schools and do what we call a spiritual emphasis week, where we go in and they get the kids in the gym. Those that want to come can come sit in the gym. And I'll be down on the gym floor and we'll be teaching them the mechanics to the Word of God, how to be winners in God's plan. And uh, yes, I enjoyed doing that. But it seems like in the last few years, 15 to be exact, as we began the radio show, I'm not traveling as much as I used to. So many of these men that I knew that were administrators and headmasters have all retired or passed away. And there's a new group of people out there that don't know me. But the radio shows have picked up, and so we're now we're still very busy doing 113 radio shows every week across America. So we have a different venue, but still doing some schools as well, yes.
0: It's interesting, Rick, how technology has changed things, at least in my eyes. It's made things so much faster than it used to be when I was growing up. But at the same time, there's nothing really new under the sun. So are there topics that are relevant to anyone that you've been speaking to, whether it's from your radio program or from all these students over the years? Yeah, one of the key topics is arrogance.
1: Arrogance. You'll very seldom hear a pastor talk about someone being arrogant. But arrogance has three stages, self-justification, self-deception, self-absorption and that always leads to self-destruction and anyone who's arrogant is a person that ignores what the Bible says they don't want to know it they're not interested in what the Bible has to say and if I quote Proverbs it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge but a fool despises wisdom and instruction the fool is the arrogant individual that thinks he's smarter than God so when I speak to on the radio or I speak in schools I deal with arrogance and uh, part of it is unrealistic self-image. If you have an unrealistic self-image, you're going to think you're something you're not, and you expect to be treated in a way you're not worthy of being treated. And that's what happened with a prodigal son. He had an unrealistic self-image, and Luke, he thought he could take his share of the inheritance and go have a good time, and he wound up going down the My Way Highway and almost dying till he rebounded, till he went home and confessed to his father that he had blown it expecting to be hired as a hired servant. And the father restored him to the fellowship. And uh, and so that's what I talk a lot about is arrogance and uh, dealing with that. And a lot of young people respond. You know, the young people that I speak to, some of them with social media influencers and all that's going on today, they're led down the wrong way. They're given information that's not true. It's just a, it's a gimmick or a game to buy Influence, You know, the more people that, you know, on your social page, the more influencers you are, the more money you get.
0: So, Rick, how did you fall into radio? This is somewhat different from all of your public speaking you've done over the years. Well, that was a
1: strange thing. And uh, I was fishing a lot and still do. I love to bass fish. And uh, bass pro shops. Are you familiar with bass pro shops across the Northeast?
0: Well, not a fisherman myself. Everyone's heard of bass pro shops, I'm sure.
1: Well, uh, they had asked me to do a commercial for them. They were sponsoring me and giving me a boat to fish out of, and wanted me to help advertise their boats. And so I went down to a local radio station, a iHeart Media radio station, and they cut a commercial for Bass Pro Shops. Sort of sounded like this: "At Bass Pro Shops, we're having a summer closeout clearance sale. Tahoe, blah 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 blah. You know." And the guy said, "You really need to have a radio show. You got a good voice for radio." And I said, "Oh, really?" One thing led to another. And uh, I can't explain how it happened, but over the course of the years, it kept growing and kept growing and kept growing. And we expanded out all across the country. And uh, part of it is my staff that works with me. I couldn't do what I do if I didn't have a great staff. And they organize and they handle all the alignment with the, all the different radio stations and scheduling and paying the bills. They're not free. We're not syndicated and we don't sell anything. We don't ask for money. We don't solicit membership. So, we just trust God to pay for it. With hundred and thirteen stations every Sunday morning, that's a lot of money to pay for and God has never, ever failed to do that for us yet.
0: That's fantastic, Rick. What different cities are included in the more than one hundred markets where we can hear the float line? Well, of course you in Portland and
1: Seattle and uh through California and to San Diego and uh and uh Grass Valley and uh Houston and San Antonio and Tucson and uh, Atlanta and go across all the way across to Maine. I mean, just all across the country from one end of it to the other. Kansas City, uh, Memphis, all across the country.
0: That's such an unusual story. I'm so glad that God's hand seems to be all over it when you think about the different markets that you're reaching with the flat line. So maybe you've got removed from the public school system in the Alabama area, but how much greater is your audience? How many more listeners do you have than you did high school to high school? That's fantastic, Rick.
1: Yeah. You know, it's, uh, having spoken in over 5,000 assembly programs, that was a lot of traveling and my wife and I have been married 50 plus years. So we figured it up one time. And out of those 50 plus years, 25 years, I was gone, if you add them up together, and at least now I'm home. I don't have to travel quite as much, but I'm still usually on the road one week out of each month. And, uh, we're going to a school in Georgia next month. And then in April, we'll be speaking at a, at a, uh, Texas Wounded Warrior Foundation banquet for what we call a weekend retreat for families. And then we are speaking in a church in Houston in May. So we still travel some, but not as much as we did.
0: I'm glad that your modern schedule doesn't require you to be so much of the time away from home as it used to. So congratulations to you, Rick Hughes of Rick Hughes Ministries, host of The Flatline, heard every Sunday morning at 730 on our sister station, AM 860, The Answer, K-PAM. More with Rick Hughes next on Difference Makers. The difference Makers, Mike Lee here with the host of the Flatline, which airs every Sunday morning at 7:30 on our sister station, AM 860, The Answer K. Pam, welcome back, Rick Hughes. What exactly is the big picture about the Line? What's the show about? Hey, Mike, thank you for having me back. The uh,
1: as we continue to do this show, it's all about teaching the mechanics of God's Word, and really, I'm I'm looking for people that are hungry to grow. Is what I'm looking for. I'm looking for those who want to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And, you know, we may be speaking to thousands of people, but there's not that many that respond. We really don't know how many are listening, but we have written several books that we provide and give away to our audience when they request them. And one of them is called A Crash Course in Christianity, our latest book. And we've written a book called Christian Problem Solving, which teaches each one of those 10 problem solving devices that we spoke of. Uh, We've written a book called Life's Toughest Years, which is for teenagers. We've written a book called Practicing Your Christianity. Uh, Then we have transcripts of every radio show we've done in 2019 and 2020 available to be read in a book form as well. So we offer all of that on our radio show as
0: well. That's fantastic, Rick. And I'm sure all of these resources that you provide, well, they're probably not cheap. You probably got a staff that has to do a lot of work to make them effective and able to be disseminated to the public. So that's got to be an expensive project, huh?
1: It is very expensive to print material and mail material, and uh, yes, it is expensive. But we also podcast. We started podcasting a few years ago, and right now we've close to 500,000 that have downloaded our podcast. And we podcast all of the Flatline Radio shows on Apple iPod or Spotify or Anchor, Breaker, some of those different podcast ministries.
0: It's wonderful that you're using the most modern technology to reach people for Christ, Rick Hughes. So thank you for your efforts. They are greatly appreciated. Thank you. Do you have anything new coming out when it comes to books or resources? And how expensive are these resources for your listeners? Well, they're not expensive at all for the listeners. They're free. we I learned a long
1: time ago, if God's in it, God will pay for it. So I, it's not my job to hustle money. It's not my job to say, well, brother, for for a gift of 1995, we'll send you absolutely free, blah, 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 blah. I mean, that's a joke. I remember going to a church service one night where a friend of mine was pastor, and he had a speaker selling books there. And I remember seeing this precious little lady come in, and she said, hello, preacher, and hello, you know, the guy that was going to be speaking. I was standing there, and, and he introduced himself, and he said, well, you really need to buy my book tonight so you follow along what I'm saying. She said, well, how much is it? And he said, you know, 20 bucks and She pulled out 20 bucks and gave it to him. And I went away thinking, man, what a ripoff. We don't sell the word of God. You got it free. You give it away free. And I think that is the biggest problem today. Everybody wants to write a book and everybody wants to sell it. And they want to say, well, I'm not really trying to make money, but I just want to cover my cost. Quit doing that. If God's in it, God will pay for it.
0: Step out on faith and quit trying to hustle money from people. Preach at Rick Hughes of Rick Hughes Ministries. So do you have any upcoming books or projects that you're writing right now?
1: Uh, we are putting together our transcripts for the year 2022 and 2021. Yes, we're redoing some of our other material that we've done, and we're planning on doing a book on happiness. And uh, you may remember the Lord Jesus Christ said in Luke 11, 27 and 28, happiness belongs to those people who hear my Father's word and keep it. And I call that momentum momentum hearing and keeping the word of God on a consistent basis. And what happens so often is people hear it, but they don't keep it. So if you take in mind, a normal person goes to a church service on Sunday morning, he hears the pastor teach something, whatever the pastor may teach, but he, he's got his, you know, his his phone ready to go and he's checking his watch and he's out of there to the restaurant and he doesn't keep what he heard. He doesn't even go back and doesn't take notes. Doesn't look over the material and so he's just what I call the casual Christian. And he winds up being a caricature of Christ, not not representing Christ, but a caricature, a comic image of what Christ really is. And so what we've got to get back to is people that are really interested in growing in grace and the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that's what we try to do in our radio show, trying to find those people that are interested. So if you want to be happy, here's how you do it. You learn God's word. You apply it into your life and it's a daily routine. It's no different than anything else that requires discipline because we all have volition. Volition means you have a chooser. God gave you a decider. You can choose or not choose. If you use your volition to choose to grow and study and learn, then the first thing you have to decide is where can I get it? Where can I get the information? And uh, uh, I have people that tell me constantly, I'm growing. I'm listening to your radio show. I'm hearing things I've never heard before. I'm learning things I never learned before. And my life is broadened. My Christian life is growing. And I feel first time that I'm following God's will for my life. But I have to tell them I'm not your pastor. I'm just an evangelist. I'm I'm here to guide you to where you can find that person, because that's not my job. And my job is to open a window, let the breath of fresh air come in and you hear it and you say, oh, wow, how do I learn more? And that's where you must ask the Lord to show you in your location, your city, your town, where there's somebody teaching God's word consistently that you can go and sit down and learn it and apply it into your life.
0: Great words of wisdom from Rick Hughes of rickhughesministries.org. And he also hosts the radio program The Flatline on our sister station AM 860 the Answer, KPM every Sunday morning at 7:30. Are you enjoying being in front of a microphone as opposed to the different mentality of being in front of a lot of people at a seminar, because I've noticed that over the last couple of years in particular, Rick, that many of the pastors dealing with the pandemic have really been taken aback by having to speak in front of a microphone, but not so much in front of actual people. Have you had to make any adjustments?
1: No, not really.
0: Uh, the last school
1: I was in a couple of weeks ago, I was there for a week, and they had to close it because of a COVID infestation in the school. And I did not get COVID. I mean, we were there and we spoke and we left and came home one day early. Uh, prior to that, some of the schools we had been in required the students to wear a mask to come into the assembly and you know how that goes. But still, uh, they listen and they learn and and they either decide or not to decide. They want to pay attention to what you're talking about, but I'm not a comedian. I'm not there to entertain them. And I tell them that, and I tell them, I'm not here to change you. I'm here to give you information. If there's any changes that need to be made, that's between you and God. But you have to decide because when I'm through, you're not going to be able to look back and say, "Well, I never heard that before. I never knew that." Yes, you did. You heard me tell it to you. Whether you applied it or not, or whether you even listened or not, that's between you and God. So I enjoy the microphone, and that's that's fine. It takes me several days to put messages together, uh, and likewise, when I'm in a school, I'm using a. A uh, iPad, I'm using a, a uh, I'm trying, what do you call it when you put up a thing on the screen that you use from your computer?
0: PowerPoint presentation, maybe? Some slides? Yeah, yeah,
1: that's it. Yeah, PowerPoint. Rick on the big screen. Yeah, PowerPoint. We have two screens up behind me. We have a PowerPoint screen and we have an iPad screen where I can write Greek words and explain things. So i am got two things going at one time. But anyhow, uh, yeah, I mean, I enjoy that. And unfortunately, I haven't told you this, but I'm in the early stages of Parkinson's disease. And so I'm not able to stand like I used to be able to stand. And I worried about that, having to sit down to teach. But the kids didn't seem to bother them. And uh, and they still listen, whether I'm standing or seated either way. So I learned it's not about me. It's about what I say. That's where the power of the God is in the word. And it's alive and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. That's what it is.
0: Great points from Rick Hughes. And Rick, we'll need to keep you in prayer about your early Parkinson's disease, that God will continue to strengthen you and give you rest and allow you to continue your ministry both in person and on the air on the flatline. Every Sunday morning at 730 on AM 860, the answer KPAM. Over the years, have you had many people or do any stories stand out in your mind of someone that you spoke in front of? that came to you years later and thanked you for being able to share the gospel with them.
1: Uh, Yes, absolutely. Many, many. Recently, uh, I spoke recently on the phone the other day with a uh, retired orthodontist who told me his life had been transformed and changed by listening to our radio show. I think about in all the years i traveled, people that I met, people that I led to the Lord, and we used to take numbers and count them. Uh, When I first started going into Mississippi, we gave cards out to everybody in the gym and we'd say, you know, if you accepted Christ, write your name on that card, and we'll send you a book. Well, in those two years, we had over 25,000 kids write their name and request the book. Whether they all got saved or not, I have no idea. But we don't try to take names anymore, and we don't try to count numbers. We just go do our job and leave the rest of it up to the Lord. But uh, I think about one lady in particular, she passed away and. The nurse came out and told her daughter, listen, your mom's dying. She's moaning and crying. You know, she feels so bad. And the daughter went in there and said, oh, you don't hear it. She's not crying. She's singing. She's humming. Amazing grace. And that was a lady that I had met and led to the Lord. And uh, there have been so many. One guy that I think about I met in a school. He's now a pastor uh, that has a great church in Tennessee. So, yeah, there have been hundreds of them. I just can't keep up with them.
0: Oh, I love this, Rick. Thanks so much for sharing your story with us, and congratulations on being married for, if I remember correctly, more than 50 years. Tell us where you met your wife. Well, I met my wife, Miss Lydia, L-Y-D-I-A, at a Bible study in Birmingham,
1: and uh, i had only been saved just maybe less than a year, and she was an instructor at Birmingham Southern College. We met, and uh, we got married, and we wound up living on campus as dorm parents, house parents in a dormitory with 85 girls and me. And uh, (laughs) little did I know I was going to have three daughters of my own and eventually a son, but uh, Miss Lydia was an instructor. She wound up being the head coach and women's athletic director at the University of Alabama in Birmingham. We call that UAB. And, And then eventually in the secondary education and eventually retired now and taking care of me and taking care of the yard. So that's Miss Lydia's heart at it every day.
0: That's wonderful. You have so much in common between your athleticism and growing up and playing football for the University of Alabama and your wife's roles later on in life. It really seems like you're a good fit for each other.
1: Well, we are. She's a tremendous individual, very fit, works out every night. We have a little gym in our basement, and every night she's down there working out, and I try to do the same with this Parkinson's. It's important that I exercise every day also to keep things moving. So, yeah, she's an inspiration. She's really a, a solid rock. So uh, I always kid her. I thought she's about 106 pounds of twisted steel and sex appeal.
0: <laughs> oh, I love that. Very nice, Rick. Very nice. Would you like to tell us about your kids? Well, they, I do have.
1: My daughters have done very well for themselves. My oldest daughter is in New York City in the fashion industry and very successful, married to a movie producer with two daughters of her own. My second daughter is in Los Angeles, and she's a costumer for the union out there. Worked for Ellen DeGeneres at one time. My third daughter's a photographer,
0: and my son is an actor who lives in New Jersey. Wow. You've really got both coasts covered pretty well. I hope you're able to bump into them from time to time. Well, thank
1: goodness for FaceTime, Facebook, and, you know, and looking on FaceTime, we talk to them all the time, every night just about.
0: Wonderful. That's wonderful. So do you have any grandkids?
1: Yes, we do. We have uh, six grandkids. Yep, absolutely. And I hope no more on the way, but uh, somebody said, what do you want your grandkids to call you?
0: You know, And I said, just call me Mr. Hughes. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> this is wonderful. Rick Hughes of Rick Hughes Ministries hosts The Flatline every Sunday morning at 730 on our sister station, AM 860, The Answer, Pam. Rick, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to get to know you better. In addition to finding about your radio ministry. And if there's anything that God has put on your heart that you'd like to share with us here in the Pacific Northwest, what might that be?
1: Well, I think what is going on in our country today, everybody's concerned about that. And in my radio show, if I talk about politics, people light up and I try not to do that. I'm not here to talk about politics. I can't solve problems, but I think there's a FOG, F-O-G, across America. And I think that stands for failure of spiritual leadership. I think that stands for open rebellion to the word of God. And I think G stands for God's word rejected. So failure of spiritual leadership is the first thing. Open rebellion to the word of God across this country. What if you think about this, Mike, everything back in the fifties that used to be evil is now called good. And everything that used to be good and wholesome is now called evil. So we've kind of made a reversal in the trends. And and I think anybody has any common sense that can look at the Trends of history can see there's a train wreck coming in this country sooner or later.
0: And and I think I can hear the whistleblowing right now, and I believe you can too. Great words of wisdom from Rick Hughes. Check out his website, rickhughesministries.org. That's rickhughesministries.org, which I'll link up to the Difference Makers page at truetalk800.com. And make sure that you tune into his radio ministry, The Flot Line, every Sunday morning at 730 on our sister station, AM 860, The Answer, KPM. Rick Hughes, thanks so much again for spending time with us and for spreading the gospel. And we pray that your health and your Parkinson's are comforted and healed by the Lord. Thank you for your prayers,
1: and I appreciate the opportunity. I hope some of our listeners in Portland have gotten to know us better and will come to hear us on The Answer AM 860 on Sunday morning. And we would love to
0: have them visit with us. And if they need anything, just contact us through the website. We'll provide it free of charge. That's rickhughesministries.org for your access and information to all of these resources that they're providing absolutely free. One more time, that's rickhughesministries.org. And thank you for listening to Difference Makers.